transmitting live from the heart of Times Square on 99.5 FM, WBAI New York, Pacifica Radio for the Tri-State Area. This is Trump Watch, a weekly series investigating the actions of and reactions to President Donald J. Trump and his administration. I'm your host, Jesse Lent. Conrad Tokyo, Sparrow, Pistachio, just unnatural. The dog is off sabbatical. Rather watch an attention, follow attention, CNN and all there's a ton of news right now. A lot is going on, and we have all these 24-hour news networks. And we could be covering everything, but instead we're covering like three topics. Every hour it's Trump, Russia, Hillary, and a panel of four people that remind you why you don't go home for Thanksgiving. <laughs> all right, like an immigrant who was brought here by his parents and didn't do anything wrong. I gotta get the f- out of here. Good night. Clint still doesn't have clean water. Hello and welcome to Trump Watch. You may be wondering why we're opening the show this week with this clip of comedian Michelle Wolf from the White House Correspondents' Dinner back in April, footage courtesy of C-SPAN. It is because of Wolf's last line, Flint still doesn't have clean water. The comedian was, of course, referring to Flint, Michigan, the town that became a talking point in the 2016 presidential election after it was revealed that the water coming out of local residents' faucets was undrinkable. With both major party candidates visiting Flint on the campaign trail, it was one of the few issues repeatedly brought up in a presidential campaign season that was short on issues. Then can it really be true that, as Michelle Wolf claims, Flint still doesn't have clean water? And as egregious as the government failure has been in Flint, dozens of U.S. municipalities currently don't have access to clean drinking water. With The Guardian placing the number of U.S. cities without clean drinking water due to lead contamination, like the problems persisting in Flint, at 33, and a USA Today report from last year estimating that 63 million people, nearly a fifth of the United States, were exposed to potentially unsafe water more than once during the past decade. So why does Flint continue to be the only city that seems to get discussed in the limited times this subject is raised in major news reports. And why can't we fix these problems with our drinking water that seem to keep going and going? We'll discuss all of this, along with what role clean drinking water could play in the 2018 elections, with Sharon Lerner of The Intercept. We spoke earlier today. Joining me now is Sharon Lerner a reporter for The Intercept, whose June 4th article, Toxic Drinking Water Becomes Top Campaign Issue for Midterm Candidates Across the U.S., looks at the role that clean drinking water could play in the 2018 midterm elections by looking at three congressional candidates that have made keeping chemicals out of our nation's drinking water central to their political platform. Hello, Sharon. Welcome to Trump Watch. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Hi. Your article opens with the story of Mindy Mesmer, who was motivated to enter politics after she saw that four children in the small town of Rye, New Hampshire, population 5,000, had contracted the same kind of cancer. What are some of the environmental conditions that nudged Mesmer, who's now running for Congress in New Hampshire's first district, into politics? So Mindy Mesmer has been an environmental consultant for decades 
And um, her son actually came home from school and told her that he had heard about some kids who have uh, had this rare soft tissue cancer. And she realized that there were four in her town and more in a neighboring town. And as an environmental consultant uh, who knows about such things, she instantly knew that this one was problematic in a small town, way too many cancers, but two was probably environmentally related. Um, she ended up uh, serving on a task force set up by the governor to deal with this, what was eventually deemed a cluster. And they uh, still haven't figured out exactly what the cause cause it is, p- perhaps are, but certainly some of the issues that they're facing up there. Uh, there are two main ones. One is that they have a landfill there that's had military uh, waste put in there for decades. And the second is that they have a number of military bases nearby that have drinking water that's been contaminated with uh, what are known as PFAS or fluorinated chemicals. And so she's been uh, calling attention to both of those hotspots. Right. You report in your article that Mesmer also fought to lower the state's water standards for two chemicals in a class known as PFAS, as you said, which have been linked to cancer and other diseases, and that both PFOA and PFOS in the class of PFAS have been found at contaminated sites in her district. Do scientists have any idea of how widespread the problem of PFAS chemicals is in the U.S. water supply today? We do. We do, in fact. So virtually every person uh, in the United States and most people in the world have these chemicals in their blood already. You do. I do. Uh, Some of the most recent um, surveillance found 99.7% of folks test positive. These are chemicals that were uh, used in the um, production of Teflon and other nonstick and stain-resistant products, but then also very widely used in firefighting foam that was um, used by the military and made by 3M and DuPont and other companies. Uh, We know from reporting I did back in uh, years ago, I've been reporting on these chemicals for a while, and from uh, the Department of Defense, there are hundreds of military bases that um, where these chemicals were used in firefighting foam that was used to put out jet fuel fires and to train military folks to use those chemicals. The number that the Department of Defense gave me in 2015 was 664 crash training sites around the country. And I think uh, I... We don't, the Department of Defense has changed its numbers somewhat um, since then, but I think that's really mostly because they are still in the process of investigating it and confirming, you know, so it's, uh, you know, I still think it's in the many hundreds, and I think it may be 664 sites, um, still sounds like a reasonable estimate in terms of, you know, we know the number of places it was used, but we also know that these chemicals have seeped out into drinking water from these bases and also from a number of manufacturing sites around the country. Um, and so the question ends up, the more important question ends up being, you know, how many people have them in their water? And this is why uh, we saw this kind of really heated debate um, around the, the PFAS summit recently, the EPA summit, where, you know, reporters were kicked out. And uh, in my case, I have been covering them for years and asked to go and wasn't invited. Um, and I think that there, this has become a really sensitive issue uh, because 
what's at issue here really is the level of the chemical that has been deemed safe. Uh, the EPA said um, last year that that number was 70 parts per trillion. But we know from numerous scientists who have been studying this and, and lots and lots of studies that that number is actually probably way too high. And so what happened was recently right before the summit, ATSDR um, apparently was in the is in the process of releasing its own study, which showed that much lower numbers are probably appropriate for safety levels uh, around seven, eight, ten parts per trillion. So if you use those much lower numbers, which again, other scientists have been uh, saying are the right numbers for years, uh, some of the estimates show that we have about 28% of all water utilities in the United States are using those numbers contaminated. So that's many, um, more than 100 million people would be drinking, you know, water that has, has that level of chemicals. Another campaign you profile in the piece is that of congressional candidate Matt Morgan, a retired Marine running in Michigan's first district, someone who's certainly familiar with some of that military pollution. He's running a campaign that has been pointedly critical of the EPA, speaking out about the recent efforts you mentioned to suppress a health and human services study that calculated safety standards for uh, PFAS chemicals as being much lower than its own, saying, quote, an environmental protection agency is meant to keep our citizens safe, not silence the truth in order to avoid responsibility. How much do you think Morgan marks a trend nationally to run against the regulation slashing EPA of Scott Pruitt? I, I do think that that there is widespread um, upset about the way Scott Pruitt has been handling his job and the EPA and environmental regulation. And I think you're seeing that from both parties. Morgan uh, is a Democrat. He's running um, in in an area that isn't heavily Democratic. But I think uh, he and others have been telling me that they uh, hear it from both sides. They hear Republicans and Democrats, one, caring about the environment in, in ways that they don't necessarily uh, that aren't partisan exactly. You know, he is a fly for fisherman, was talking about uh, some of the fishermen, some of the men he, he fishes with who are Republicans and who are outraged that their river, the Osabal, there has been, uh, you can't, had fish warnings because of those those and other chemicals. And they feel upset about this and they don't think of it as a, a democratic issue. Um, the other folks that I was, uh, that I profiled in this piece too, really talked about the crossover potential. And I think that there are two issues. One is the actual water and, and, you know, for hunters, you know, what's in the animals, what's in the soil. But the other thing is, uh, the issue of secrecy and, and, um, transparency. And, and obviously with Scott Pruitt, he's been (laughs) the opposite of transparent. You know, he, it doesn't let reporters won't interact with reporters and and does and this study was a good example he you know emails revealed that that folks in his administration wasn't him but high up high ups were saying you know this will be a public relations nightmare if we if this comes out so we just have to make sure it doesn't come out uh but you see you know as a reporter covering this stuff you i you know i'm used to to um 
you know, before Pruitt, it was not always easy to get an interview with the EPA, but you got a response. You know, these days they um, respond to or, or don't respond <laughs> to your requests like like you're a criminal as opposed to a reporter. And I think that's a really important distinction to make between the secrecy versus the actual water environmental issues, because obviously America's water problems predate the Trump administration. The drinking water crisis in Flint, Michigan, was uncovered during the Obama administration. How much of a real shift are we seeing? I mean, how, how, how much bigger is this now that the EPA is run by Scott Pruitt? How much more in danger are we of our drinking water actually becoming contaminated on a wider scale? Right. So our drinking water already is contaminated definitely on a, on a, on a large scale. And so it's a question of, you know, how, how will we address this? And do I have more confidence? I, I certainly have less confidence in this administration's ability to address this because the efforts that have been underway, uh, a few of them were very clearly rolled back. I mean, one of the, one of the things, um, one of the huge envir- environmental issues that has come up under this administration is uh, chlorpyrifos, a pesticide that was about to be banned. Uh, it's one I wrote about right, b- right before the change, you know, the election. So I didn't think it was going to, you know, when I was writing that story, I didn't think it was going to go the way it was. We were about to ban this huge, widely used pesticide. He reversed course that, you know, this was much reported on. But one of the reasons it was going to be banned was because it has, uh, in some places, contaminated the water supply, um, and so that didn't uh, that didn't happen. And it continues to be in the water supply, and it's a chemical that we know affects the neural development of children, um, increases their chances of getting ADHD, autism, other things. So that seemed to be very clearly related to. Dow's support of of this administration and and the the friendliness that that goes back and back and forth between that company and many other big companies, big chemical companies, and the Trump administration. And speaking of Michigan politics, I realize this is beyond the content of your June fourth Intercept article. But what is the water situation in Flint right now? The website PolitiFact rated comedian Michelle Wolf's last line in her remarks at the White House Correspondents' Dinner that, quote, Flint still doesn't have clean water as only being half true. I I did do a somewhat recent story on Flint, and I haven't looked in the last two weeks, but the numbers have dropped uh, considerably. You might have noticed that they stopped providing uh, bottled water to the residents. Um, There is still lead in their water. So that that is true. And um, generally, no level of lead is safe for children to drink. I believe the last time I looked, it was around five parts per billion. And again, no level is safe. Um, I think that the level for federal intervention is 15. So it's lower uh, than it was. In a presidential campaign that was noticeably light on actual issues, clean drinking water, at least by way of Flint, Michigan, was a major issue with both Trump and Hillary Clinton visiting the city on the campaign trail. But the president has been noticeably silent on this issue since getting into office. Have you seen any polling data on how important this issue is to voters, both in Congress and in electing the next president? Well, the most recent polling data I saw on um, 
politics and environmental issues was uh, regarding the midterm elections. There's a, a changed uh, survey that I actually linked to in my uh, most recent piece that was really showing uh, a willingness uh, of voters or any, uh, one of frustration with voters about the way Trump is handling the um, environmental issues. I think it was 75% saying that the, there was a level of frustration and 90% saying that his handling of environmental issues would make them more likely to vote Democratic in the midterm elections. So that's the most recent stuff that I've seen. The final candidate you profile in your piece, Kyle Horton, a physician who's running for Congress as a Democrat against Republican incumbent David Rouser in North Carolina's 7th District, has a really memorable quote in your article. Everyone here is concerned about the water. If it's not their top issue, it's in their top five. How true do you think that is in North Carolina and for the rest of the country? So Dr. Horton um lives in an area that includes Wilmington, and um, they're on the Cape Fear River there. The Cape Fear River has been very widely contaminated with some of those chemicals we were talking about, PFAS. Um, One of those chemicals, one chemical called Gen X, was introduced to replace another chemical, which was made by DuPont, um, PFOA. And as the kind of health concerns mounted about PFOA, and it was eventually phased out, um, they actually phase this chemical in, and it turns out um, that it actually causes many of the same problems. People in Wilmington and in that uh, area of the country, there are 250,000 people who have uh, water where the Cape Fear is their source. So 250,000 people were affected by this Gen X contamination, which has apparently been there at some level since... 1980, and it's one of only uh, of dozens of chemicals that they've only recently realized are in their water, even though they've been in there again for decades. So people down there are outraged. Uh, these are chemicals that do affect your health, that have been linked to cancers. Um, and those are not the only water issues for them. There are also CAFOs, these big animal farms that have been emitting animal waste into the waters, uh, and coal ash. So I think the level, it, it makes absolute sense to me that people down there do think of this as a top issue. When I, I've talked to many people down there, and you have to realize that this is not this is what they're drinking. This is what they're giving to their kids. This is what they have been drinking for decades. A lot of them, you know... You can't say for sure if the health problems, what causes an individual health problem. But, you know, if you're down there and you've been drinking this stuff for decades and you have a weird cancer or your kid does, it's very hard not to um, not not to be furious. I think so many people down there are furious. And I do think that these issues are cropping up increasingly around the country, not just North Carolina. Um, you know, the the. Places that I uh, pick to write about, these are hot spots. These are places where the the citizens are very aware of what's going on. They've been, you know, they know that they have contamination. They've discussed it. It's been in their local news. Um, but there are going to be many more, especially if these uh, lower levels of the PFOS chemicals are accepted, then you're going to have many, many more places that say, hey, we have an official problem now. And people are going to be upset. What are some of the ways that you think the government could correct the problems we're seeing in municipalities with chemicals like the ones you describe in the water supply? 
I would say across the board, not just PFAS, but there needs to be uh, more openness about this. Um, and I think, if, so for instance, they could release this uh, ATA. Uh, it's not up to the EPA right now, but the ATSDR study that, you know, was suppressed would be really helpful if we could see that. I think we actually know, though, what the concerns are that uh, basically that study used more sensitive endpoints. And we know what the issues are, the scientific issues. And I think more broadly, we know why they don't end up with these stringent safety standards. And it's because in almost all cases, the standards, if EPA sets them at all, end up being sort of this negotiated number with, which includes not just the concerns of of, uh, environmental advocates and, and scientists, but also industry. And I think more and more, the industry input is, you know, with the Trump administration, it values it you know, puts it above the the concerns of the people. And I think you see that with the resistance to lowering the numbers. The other folks who are very concerned about lowering those numbers, the PFAS numbers, is the Department of Defense, which is responsible for all these sites around the country. And if there are lower numbers, there are going to be more sites and bigger cleanup costs. Clean water coming out of the tap is something that most Americans take for granted, But anyone who's traveled even as far as Mexico knows, this is not a way of life in many places around the world. Do you believe America is in danger of becoming one of those countries where you can't drink the water? I do. I think there are parts of the country where it's already true. So absolutely. What are some of the ways that people can find out if their own drinking water is contaminated? There's an amazing uh, database on the EWG website. That's the Environmental Working Group. And uh, that really has – it's a resource for anyone who you just put in your, your zip code and, and you can figure out your water utility and some of the contaminants that are in it. And why, if this is such a widespread problem, is it so – when this gets talked about, it's almost always in reference to Flint. If there are other municipalities that don't have clean water, why don't they get that kind of coverage? Um well, I think Flint was egregious. Flint was, um, and we, you know, we should be outraged. We should still be outraged about Flint. I think what we need to do is uh, there has been a lot of reporting about the fact that there are places around the country with lead levels that are, you know, either close to or higher than those that were in Flint. So we have a lead problem that goes around the country. But there are many other chemicals as well. And part of it is reporting. Part of it is a lack of monitoring. Uh, and But, you know, it really does require vigilance on the part of people to kind of look and see and local reporting to, to bring it out. You mentioned that the three districts, congressional districts that you profiled candidates from, in Michigan and North Carolina and New Hampshire, those are hot spots. To what extent do you feel that they represent a national trend? Well, as I mentioned earlier, so we have hundreds of military bases where this was used, right? And in, I think there is some level of contamination at all of them. The Depending on what number we use to decide what's safe, um, I think you're also going to find hundreds, there are clearly hundreds of communities that have some level of this in in their drinking water. And we know that from EPA monitoring that has gone on um, before in in 2016. Um, And 
So it's certainly increasingly a problem in a number of places. You know, they call it an emerging contaminant, meaning that it is not regulated, which is part of the problem with dealing with this. And it's also emerging in the fact that we're having this emerging understanding of it. You know, people are just beginning to grasp what these chemicals are and then beginning to understand what it means to have them in their water and that they're in their water. Finally, beyond grasping that effect, is there anything else that you wish more Americans understood about the issue of clean drinking water? That, you know, right now there is a safe drinking water law, uh, a statute of federal law, that is barely used at this point for a very complicated number of reasons. The EPA has been has barely been regulating. It. This is the Clean Water Act. Uh, it's the safe drink. No, it's the Safe Drinking Water. Uh, of course. Act. Uh, but both. But really, all of these statutes are underused at this point. And I think that there needs to be a push for the EPA to do what it was supposed to do, which was enforce these environmental laws. And so part of the problem with what's going on with PFAS is uh, that there, you know, the EPA has done a little bit of something. They've, they put, have a health advisory level. It's not enforceable and it's not binding regulation, which means that you can't at this point get the polluters uh to force them to clean it up, which is really what we need. We need money to clean it up, and you can't expect citizens to do it. Um, At this point, the Department of Defense is doing it, but they're kind of saying, oh, you know, we don't really have to do it. We're doing it sort of out of the kindness of our heart. We need to actually enforce these laws so that we can go back to having this feeling of (laughs) of we have, that we could assume we have safe, clean drinking water. Thank you so much. Thank you. I've been speaking with Sharon Lerner, a reporter for The Intercept who wrote the June 4th article, Toxic Drinking Water Becomes Top Campaign Issue for Midterm Candidates Across the U.S. You're listening to Trump Watch. My name is Jesse Lent. And that's going to do it for this week's show. Reggie Johnson engineered this program live. Gabriel Queemy is our social media intern. You can hear all 72 episodes of Trump Watch with Jesse Lent at soundcloud.com slash trumpwatchwbai or wherever you get your podcasts. In fact, if you get your podcast at iTunes, please consider giving us a rating or a review. It's a great way to let other people know about the show. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter, where our handle is TrumpWatchWBAI. And I'll be back next Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. when we'll break down another aspect of the Donald Trump administration. Until then, I'm your host, Jesse Lent. Talk to you next time. Chase the shadows chasing after you. The clouds won't speak, but the beauty is sounds of lonely pain. Ghosts. Of-